Hey everybody, this is Cassandra. Disclaimer, due to changing the speed of the video, my voice has been altered. Hi everybody, this is Cassandra. Welcome to another episode on the Luminous Star channel. Please mind the description box below for further details. Okay, today I'm going to be talking about letting go of the obsession to please narcissistic personality types. I want to thank everybody for his or her time for being with me today. And I certainly hope you are doing very well, taking care of yourself, you know, making sure that you're getting your spa baths and going out in nature. And maybe you have uh, developed a new outlook on life. You know, who knows? Uh, going through narcissistic relationships can kind of leave you with a, you know, a negative outlook, not only on life, but yourself as well as relationships. So uh, it's already hard enough to have relationships as an adult, but after having narcissistic relationships, it can kind of really make you feel like it can never happen for you. You know, whether, whether or not it's romance, friendships, uh, business partners, you name it. Narcissistic abuse tends to leave a very bad taste in your mouth and it just leaves you with a negative impression. Okay, so I certainly hope you guys are taking care of yourself and trying to keep your vibrations up. All right, so first point. Uh, information that was downloaded by parents and grandparents with narcissistic personality disorder or NPD into the subconscious mind of their children more than likely was and continues to be damaging. Such information that is downloaded into the subconscious mind is played out or which or is played out which can occur for many years until there is a choice to delete and replace the information within their own subconscious mind. Now, some people, I had a train of thought before, but I lost it. That's okay. I'll just move on. But uh, uh, very often people, you know, they think that uh, once they have a particular way that they think, it's not going to change. Because you ever heard of how people, when they become older, they get set in their ways? It's kind of like that. You know, when it comes down to the program in the subconscious mind, people don't think that they can actually delete that program and get another one. But they can. It takes practice. Okay. It takes focus and dedication. And many times it's going to take love because there are going to be times that you're going to, you know, should you start to practice this, you're going to probably feel like giving up because especially if you're already in a relationship with a narcissist, they're going to be pulling shenanigans. That's probably going to make you feel, you know, very low. But at the same time, you're starting to what? Have a new outlook on life. You're starting to outgrow that relationship and you notice it. So shenanigans may become a little bit more irritating to you and annoying because now you're outgrowing the relationship and part of that outgrowing the relationship means that you're going to start changing your mind some people think they have to have a change of heart first before they start to let the narcissist go but i'm here to tell you from experience it's going to take you changing your mind first not your heart so when it comes down to uh downloading the subconscious programs into the subconscious mind parents have a major influence in a child's life they say by the time a child is seven, okay, the programming in the subconscious mind is pretty fixed. They're developing a personality by that time, right? So when it comes down to changing the program in a subconscious mind, this is just a few of the reasons why it may seem impossible. But with practice, it can be done. Now, I'll get to that a little bit later. But I wanted to point out how the information or the program that is downloaded in the subconscious mind of a child by a narcissistic parent can be very damaging in the long run. The only way this is gonna change is if the child grows into an adult and they notice, right? They start to notice something is not quite right with the way they do relationships. 
the type of people that they have relationships with, such as those of a narcissistic personality or other personality types that may have predatory aims or means. So the child now who grows into an adult, right, they may start to notice that they need to change something. So this is when they start to accept that they are outgrowing the narcissist relationship. And then they start to take the steps into changing for the better, okay? Changing for themselves, not so much for the narcissist or their parents or anyone else. But now in adulthood, that person realizes they can make some real changes, okay? That can actually benefit them and their loved ones. So the subconscious mind, see, it's not about trying to change the function of the subconscious mind. What I have found is that it's more important to delete the programming in the subconscious mind and develop a new one or get a new one, okay? And this is possible, but again, it takes practice. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it can happen. So when a child has been, um, well, when the information or the programming has been downloaded by the NPB, the NPD parent into the child's subconscious mind, it's going to, it's gonna cause some problems, right? Okay, so um, sometimes the child may feel like they are in a hostile environment. Okay, so parents who behave codependently often experience identity crisis prior to becoming parents. Either their children will become obsessed with pleasing others, and this is a cluster C personality type, which goes right into having anxiety issues while sacrificing themselves. Okay, so the child with a cluster B personality type, they will become obsessed with pleasing others and perhaps even sacrificing themselves for other people who have predatory aims or means or they might develop a cluster B personality, becoming obsessed with obtaining sources of supply from other people. Okay, so it, it, and this is all mine. This is probably, this is not a guarantee to happen. But when you think about a child growing up in such a hostile environment, it's going to have a negative effect or a profound effect on that child. So when it comes down to becoming obsessed with pleasing others, the child, I mean, it's just, it's almost like the child doesn't have a chance when they are growing up in such a hostile environment where the parents and or grandparents are showing signs of having a narcissistic personality. Perhaps they've been diagnosed, right? With cluster secret personality or narcissistic personality. They may have problems with being codependent or showing codependent behavior. A lot of narcissist relationships have sub, I mean, just sub subtle signs of codependency because Sometimes the narcissist shows signs of being overly dependent on others for source supply. Whereas those, the, those who are victimized by this type of dynamic, they may start to show signs of being overly dependent on the relationship as well, such as pleasing the narcissist or going way out of their way to please or co-sign the narcissist shenanigans. They may become obsessed or they may develop an obsessed personality because when you look back in their childhood, they've been dealing with narcissistic parents and our grandparents from that time. Okay. All right. Layers of trauma are very common due to the emotional, spiritual, psychological, sexual, verbal, and possibly physical abuse at the hands of cluster B personality types in a child's life. Okay. So I mentioned that some children, they can be experiencing uh, this hostile environment, but not only that, they can be experiencing what you call adverse childhood experiences. The, um, Let's see, I think it's called ACE, A-C-E. Uh, if you like, please look that up. There are tests that can be taken to find out how you rate. As far as I'm concerned, a child who is growing up in such a hostile environment, such as narcissist relationships, this can easily be deemed 
as an adverse experience or being exposed to adversity, which can cause a lot of stress to the point where the child's overall well-being is compromised. Their health is compromised, their mental health in particular. But let's not forget about the layers of trauma that can result from a child being in a relationship with narcissistic parents and or grandparents and even other family members that are supposed to help to uh, take care of the child or actually help the child to develop or encourage the child to develop into an adult who is able to care for themselves, right? And have positive relationships, healthy relationships. But how can that happen when the child is growing up in a hostile environment, such as having narcissistic relationships? So again, the layers of trauma must be considered. Layers of trauma are very common. Now that goes right into complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So when you factor in adverse childhood experiences, layers of trauma, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, well, this adds up to a hostile environment for a child to be growing up in. So this is gonna cause some problems later down the line. So a child can actually, by the time that they're adults, can develop an obsession to please others. Okay, children are very impressionable. Therefore, it would be fairly easy for the narcissistic parent to negatively influence their children as they continue to shape, mold, and groom, which could prepare them to become source supply, uh, to become source suppliers, right, for others as adults. So by the time they become adults, they may be having experiences of either attracting those who have narcissistic personality, right, or those who have cluster B personality or cluster B personality types, such as histrionic, borderline, narcissistic, and antisocial. Okay, so um, by the time the child grows up into adulthood, they may become accustomed, so accustomed to these types of relationships that they find themselves either attracting such relationships or they are uh, finding these relationships appealing. We often gravitate towards what's familiar, regardless if it is negative or positive, regardless if it is uh, healthy for us or uh, unhealthy. Okay, so children, when they're very, you know, when they are in this type of, uh, when they are exposed to this type of adversity, right? By the time they become adults, they're going to be so familiar with this that unconsciously, this is where the subconscious mind comes in or that program in the subconscious mind comes in where they are seeking out these relationships. And also that is where your, that is where your obsession comes in. Just think about a person who's obsessed. They're looking for something, right? They're always on the lookout for a particular result. So they become obsessed with it. You can picture a person having a particular project that they've started. They become obsessed with it, possibly, you know, because they want to finish it. Yet it's like they eat, sleep, and breathe that project. So when it comes down to children who have grown up in narcissistic relationships, right? Or having narcissistic uh, personalities around them, whether it's grandmother, grandfather, you know, sister brother, older sister brothers who are adults already. Um, I usually don't like to count those who are minors or children like they are. Um, you know, that's just me. I don't usually count them. But those who are adults around the children and they have narcissistic personality, they, have may, they may have predatory aims, right? When it comes to the child, when these children grow up, by the time they become adults, they are so accustomed to this type of dynamic that they are unconsciously seeking to fulfill roles that are dysfunctional, whether it's personal or it's professional. 
these adults, these children who grew up into adults who may become obsessed with pleasing the narcissist are the same adults who may in their professional life work very hard, but not get that promotion. They may not, uh, in other words, they're, they're, they may be, uh, they're not using their voice. They're not, uh, they're easily faded out into the background. People tend not to notice them, even though they're on the job, they're working perhaps harder than anyone else, but it's very easy to miss them. They become invisible. They become so good at not using their voices that people often miss them, overlook them, and maybe perhaps even take them for granted. That is where the narcissists come in. Okay. They usually look for people like this, people who are perhaps uncomfortable with using their voices being seen Well, we all know, well, a lot of us anyway, who have had narcissist relationships, what we have come to find out is that narcissists, they don't have a problem with being the center of attention. They often look for it. They often look for people who they can bully very easily. So the cluster B personality often will become involved, not just romantically, even family. They tend to be more attracted to those individuals with a cluster C personality. The cluster C personality are the individuals who often have a, um, a lot of uh, issues with anxiety. They are fearful, right? They may be afraid to use their own voices. They disappear in life, not just relationships, whether it's professional or personal, they tend to know how to disappear. They become very comfortable and accustomed to not only using their voice or being silent or quiet, they become very accustomed to not being seen. So in a nutshell, they're not seen or heard and they have become very accustomed to living that way, existing that way. And unfortunately, narcissistic personality look for this in people. So they often are attracted to the cluster C personality rather than the cluster A. Cluster A personality types often are the ones who are eccentric. And But see, see the thing about cluster A is that they embrace their weirdness. They embrace being uh, eccentric, right? They love being different. The cluster C personality is the opposite. They are very uncomfortable with being seen. They don't embrace their, their uniqueness. Okay, not, not as much as the cluster A. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the cluster C, the thing about it, because they're flexible, like the cluster A, they can adapt, they can change. The cluster B is the only cluster of personality that is fixed. It cannot change. More than likely, it will not change. And this is even according to the DSM-5. Okay, so uh, children who are growing up with such adults, it is very easy for them to end up uh, becoming obsessed with pleasing such personality types, such as the narcissist. Poor, poor identity consists of a poor or distorted self-image, which more than likely was downloaded into the child's subconscious mind by the narcissistic parent or parents. Let me just start that back over again. Okay, now this subconscious mind, the, um, the program that was downloaded into the, the child's subconscious mind by the narcissistic parent or parents, okay, right? This identity, this, a, this can call the identity crisis in the child. Now I mentioned this before, but I just wanna reiterate this because I think this is what a lot of people miss. So the identity crisis, could result in, you know, or be the aftermath of the abusive behavior of several narcissists in that child's life. And when they grow up into an adult, the same applies. They have had several relationships as adults that have narcissistic behavior, okay? So they have an identity crisis. So this makes them more vulnerable to the narcissistic personality because they have become accustomed to disappearing and to be quiet. Therefore, they don't have a voice they don't have an identity and the narcissist loves it because that does what that causes or that influences the narcissist to continue. Now, this is not the fault of anyone else's. So when I say this influences the narcissist, I am not suggesting that this is the fault of anyone because it's not the narcissist actually doesn't have any excuse 
to behave the way that they do towards others, right? Some people will argue and say, well, they can't help it. But I tell you what, people have choices in life. So this is how I see it. People have choices. The narcissist also has choices. But when they are involved with an individual like this, right, who are accustomed to being quiet, not having a voice, and not having an identity, the narcissist prefers that because that keeps them in the center of that other person's life. Just think about it. A person who is so accustomed to being quiet, to not having, or, or, to not being seen, they're not, they're not accustomed to using their voice. They're not accustomed to expressing themselves. So they disappear. They become quiet. They become silent. So the narcissist can easily manipulate, bully, or even attempt to control such a person because they're right in the center of their life. This person has not claimed their life, so the narcissist does. Okay, so when you really think about it, this influences the narcissist to continue to do what they're doing. They have the choice to stop, but the narcissist is not being challenged to stop. Uh, they're not being challenged to stop when they're in such a relationship. They're right in the center. They're in the center of the person's mind as well, not their heart. The narcissist, if they have a choice of being in the center of a person's mind or in the center of their heart, they're going to choose the mind, hands down, because if they get them in the mind, they can get everything else. So the narcissist likes to be in the spotlight. They like to be in the center of, a, of a attention. Therefore, they like to be the center of a person's mind. When you think about the gaslighting, this, I mean, it correlates with that. It goes hand in hand with that. The narcissist <clears throat> likes to play mind games. So what better position would they like to be in? Right, right in the center of the mind, where they can play all the mind games they want. They can gaslight until their hearts are content. It doesn't matter if they're in the middle or they're in the center of a person's heart. The narcissist doesn't care about that. So when it comes down to children who are impressionable, right? So they're easily manipulated, not only in their hearts, but their minds too. So when you have narcissistic parents doing this, right? Then again, that leaves a rippling effect on into the child's adulthood. So they may become obsessed with pleasing others. They may become obsessed with tiptoeing and walking on eggshells because they don't want confrontation. See, it's just a vicious cycle. By becoming more aware of self and identifying stuck points can be one way to deal with the shadow side and possibly take full responsibility of past relationship choices made within uh, your life. Okay, so this when I say you're, I'm, I'm generalizing. Okay, this can be anyone. So when a person, like this is what I did by becoming more aware of myself, becoming more mindful, right? What do I like? What makes me smile? What's, what's great for me, right? I had to become aware of myself before I started changing the program in the subconscious mind. But that's a part of it, becoming aware of yourself. See, a person cannot become aware of themselves without becoming aware of their own mind, how they think, how they feel, what they think, what they feel, thought patterns, emotions. Okay, a person, it, it, it just really, it correlates. So if a person starts to change the program in the subconscious mind that will benefit him or her, they're going to have to become self-aware and identifying stuck points. In other words, what keeps the person stuck? What are the, what are, what, where, how is the record skipping? What's causing the record to skip? Case in point, how a person continues to attract narcissist relationships. Yeah, and or they are, uh, they may find it appealing. So if it's not coming after them, they're going after it. So that's a stuck point. It has something to do with that because the person is not stopping and asking the question like, okay, why am I still attracted? Not, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm just generalizing. Some people have already started to answer this question. 
this will identify their stuck point. What's keeping them stuck in the sunken place? What's keeping them stuck in that relationship? And then when they get out of the narcissist relationship, they get into another. And if they're not going after the narcissist relationship or the narcissist to become involved with him or her, right? Whether it's a past person or a present person, whether it's a family member or a friend or someone that they thought they were their friend. This applies to every type of relationship you can think of. If they're not going after it, they're attracting it. So what's keeping this vicious cycle going? This correlates with stuck points. What's keeping them stuck on that hamster wheel? So when they start to become self-aware, that interrupts that pattern. When a person starts to identify certain patterns that they have repeated, that they have already deemed as destructive or unhealthy, this is a great way for them to focus on thriving forward and actually start to put the steps, you know, one foot in front of the other or take the steps to changing the program of the subconscious mind. See, it's not about trying to change the functionality of the subconscious mind because it functions in a way that protects a person. So when a person becomes self-aware, they're already taking, they're going in the right direction right there. When a person starts to look at their past relationship choices, that's another game changer because what they're going to find is some of those repeat patterns that are not very healthy. That keeps the narcissist either trying to hoover them back in, right? Or they are going after, or the, the person who's become obsessed, they are seeking another narcissist relationship. Say for instance, he or she has been discarded by a narcissist, right? They're looking at the social media, for instance. This is, this can, they can seem obsessed with the narcissist, if not the narcissist relationship. They're checking out to see who the new supply is. They may even start to compare themselves to the new supply. Think about a person who is so accustomed to not having their own identity. They're invisible. They don't use their voice, so they don't have a voice. It is very easy for them to become obsessed even with the new supply. Think about it. They start to compare themselves to the new supply. They start to try to be like the new supply. They start to question, why isn't the narcissist hoovering me back in? These sorts of things. But when a person becomes self-aware and they start to ask critical questions and they start to identify those old patterns, even belief systems, I want to suggest everyone to even challenge their belief systems because sometimes that keeps us stuck, right? So when they start to do this, they're heading in the right direction as far as like no longer being a person who's obsessed with the narcissist or the narcissist relationship because they're interrupting those patterns that keep them stuck. Tool number one, try to find constructive methods to validate yourself. Tool number two, take steps to discontinue comparing yourself to those that misuse your energy. Now, uh, to, well, okay, let me just not, I'm not going to jump ahead. Tool number one, try to find constructive methods to validate yourself. I had mentioned one thing before, and that is start looking at the uh, patterns, right? The behavior patterns, not only of the narcissist, or the narcissistic parents, grandparents, or you know anyone else that you've been in a narcissist relationship with, but start looking at yourself. And I say that with love, okay? This is what I did. Start looking at your behavior patterns that keep you stuck in those relationships and keep you either going after those relationships because you find something familiar and appealing about those or, and or, right? Because sometimes we can do both. We're attracting those relationships. If we're not going after them, we're attracting them. Try to find constructive methods to validate yourself because I'm telling you, when a person is doing all that, they're not validating themselves. They're looking for the narcissist to validate them. Let that one sink in for a minute. When that person is proactively seeking out narcissist relationships, they're not validating themselves. They're looking for the narcissist to do it. They're looking for other people to do it. They're looking for others to speak for them. They're looking for others to claim their life instead of them claiming their own life. 
they're looking for other people to love, respect, and accept them rather than them doing it themselves. It starts in the mind, not the behind. The programming of a subconscious mind can be changed. It takes practice. Take steps to discontinue comparing yourself to those that misuse your energy. Well, that's another way of looking at what I just said too. When a person is comparing themselves to others, they're not validating themselves. They're looking for it on the outside. So a person can practice, right? Take the steps, put some love on it. Be patient with yourself. You're looking at yourself, perhaps, through the eyes of your narcissist. Again, looking to them to validate you, looking to them to perhaps love, accept, and perhaps even apologize for how they treat you. I did a video called Signs That You Are Done With A Narcissist. And in that video, I mentioned how we often look for narcissists to help us gain closure. Guess what? If you haven't heard it anywhere else, you heard it right here on the Luminous Star channel. And that is... We don't need the narcissist for closure. We desire them. And it goes right back to looking for the narcissist to do something, right? When their, their very behavior patterns, their personality screams that they don't even have the ability or yet alone the willingness to help anyone gain closure. They're just not going to do that. It doesn't supply them. Take steps to discontinue comparing yourself to those that misuse your energy. Your emotions are your energy in motion. Your energy is supposed to always move, and it actually does, even when you're sleeping. Some people don't remember dreaming, but this is one of the ways that you know that your energy is moving because you're dreaming. All the activities that go on in your dream, right? You may be walking in your dream. You may be eating. You may be dancing. You may be flying in your dream. Your energy is always moving and vibrating. It's not supposed to be stuck. When people are misusing your energy, take steps to just really just, just scale the... Scale the big picture back and start to look at yourself through your own eyes. And that means you're going to have to develop a stronger sense of self as well as developing a positive self-image. It's going to go hand in hand. That's how you're going to stop looking at yourself through the eyes of others, through the eyes of a narcissist. Okay, so, you know, this is something that can keep a person stuck, of course, when they keep looking at themselves through the eyes of someone else, when they continue to what? rely on the voice or the voices of others to speak for him or her. Narcissists, they smear campaign a lot when they don't get their way. Very often, this is one of the reasons why smear campaigning is so painful because the person who does not have a voice or they're not using their voice or they're, they're losing their ability to, to use their voice for whatever reason, right? This, the smear campaigning is just hard hitting. It's devastating. It could even be traumatic because the lies that the narcissist is telling hits deeper. It hits harder and it, it just deeper because that person is not using their voice. The narcissist is using their voice. The person is not looking at themselves. The narcissist is looking at them, right? And that person is embracing that. They're co-signing. They're co-signing the shenanigans. Not saying they're causing them. Not saying they're liking them. Not saying they're okay with them. No. But when a person is disappearing in the narcissist relationship, when they don't have a voice, when they don't have an identity or a voice, right? What's going on? They're being affected very deeply. That narcissist relationship is affecting them more than they think it is. So try to look at yourself through your own eyes. Just take the steps to do that, right? Developing a stronger sense of self, embracing separateness, meaning you are okay with who you are and you are not, you're, you're okay with other people with the way they are. You may not like the way they behave, but you have choices. You don't have to give them place in your life. That goes for the narcissist. That actually goes double for the narcissist, right? So, 
Uh, just remember, you can start looking at yourself through your own eyes by embracing separateness, okay, and developing a stronger self-image, having a positive self-image. Remember, the narcissists, you know, they're not, they're not able to help people gain closure. So as far as like apologizing, gaining closure, them explaining why they do what they do, it's actually, you know, it's, it's a concept that we're going to have to let go of. And I'm speaking in general. Anyone who's in a narcissist relationship, the concept of a healthy relationship is just not, you know, it's something that's going to have to be let go of. Tool number three, practice becoming more mindful of your overall well-being. I kind of touched on that already. What does mindfulness do for you? Well, it helps you to become more assertive, not defensive, more assertive, right? And this also helps you to have a voice or to use your voice. You have a voice, but to use it. And it helps you to notice and develop your own identity. Get out of the identity crisis. Mindfulness also helps you to practice emotional discipline. Rather than becoming reactionary, you're responsive when the narcissist pulls shenanigans or when they say something, or perhaps whenever you feel triggered by something they say in or do. And another thing that mindfulness do for you, and this one gets a bad rap, and that is a person who is not afraid to practice self-preservation. Simply put, you're taking better care of yourself. And another thing that mindfulness does is it helps you to practice personal boundaries and respect personal boundaries, not just yours, but others. The narcissist, that's the first thing that has to go. They look at somebody that has a personal boundary, right? And that's the first thing that they tell themselves they cannot afford. That has to go. And ironically, this is what we can start doing when it comes to narcissists. What can you afford? What can you not afford? I don't know about you guys, but when it comes down to my overall health, I cannot afford to not have that. I cannot afford to mess that up. So the last thing I'm going to do is to become involved with someone that's going to actually have access to my mind, my body, my, my soul, my heart, whereas my overall well-being is being compromised. Ironically, those are the two questions. Those are the two critical questions I'm going to share with you guys today to ask yourself. What can I afford? What can I not afford when it comes to relationships? The narcissist very often asks themselves this question when it comes from one source supplier to the next, from one person to the next, from one relationship to the next. The narcissists often compensate, they often contemplate that. What can they afford? What can they not afford? I say from the narcissist notebook, we can take that. We can take that one. Okay. Uh, what can you afford? What can you not afford? All right. I want to remind everyone to check the description box below for the references and resources links here that you see. Uh, until next time, please take care of yourself. And friendly reminder, the Luminous Star podcast has episodes coming out every week. I'd love it if you join me and, of course, continue to watch the Luminous Star channel. Stay tuned for more videos. Mwah.